0: With over 37 years of experience, American Rugby Outfitters have been dedicated to providing quality rugby gear to those who like to get dirty. The ARO team prides itself in delivering the highest quality rugby gear that will withstand the punishment rugby dishes out. Brands such as Adidas, Barbarian, Gilbert, Canterbury, and ProTech will deliver when the game gets tough. Whether you need team uniforms, boots, bags, field equipment, or swag for the post social, ARO is your source for quality rugby gear. They can set up your club or business with a team store like they did for us to ensure every member looks as good as the pros. If the international game is your vibe, Arrow will carry you across the line with officially licensed gear from the Eagles, Springboks, All Blacks, England, Ireland, and Wales, amongst others. Visit RugbyGear.com and check out all that the folks from American Rugby Outfitters have to offer. Use the code RANT15 to get a 15% discount site-wide. As an added bonus, when the items in your cart Or $100 or more, you get free shipping to anywhere in the continent of the United States. Don't forget to check out our line of Rugby Rant gear available exclusively at RugbyGear.com. Don't forget to use Rant 15 to get 15% off your order site-wide. American Rugby Outfitters, dedicated to the toughest demands in the world's toughest game.
1: And welcome Rugby Rant fans. The big guy is still jacked up from a great MLR (laughs) Championship Series weekend. It is episode one hundred and one. We got Rob, the Hammer, Hammerschmidt. We got Preston, the little hammer with us today. And uh, right now we're going to get into our Around the Pitch. Hmm. And I'm going to start it off. Uh, let's 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 talk about uh Late, well, not the late, the, the great Andy Ellis. Oh, uh, Andy Ellis. Oh, yeah, the Andy boy. Ellis. After his, his he will not be energy.
0: your friend anymore.
2: Yeah, listen, seriously.
1: Listen, <laughs> just post a picture of me <laughs> and him right here. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and um, yeah, no, he uh, announced his retirement to the team and players, uh, um, Rooney, uh, after the match. Um, he's hanging up the boots, 38 years old, uh, going off, scoring a try. And winning an MLR championship is, you know, I think the best thing I can say about Andy Ellis is he's a way better person than he is a rugby player. And that's saying something. The dude takes the time to speak to everybody that asks him a question, no matter where he is. Um, His family are great. You know, gracious as all get out. People are looking for it to spend time with Andy and they allow him to do so. And they allow the fact that their dad and their husband can go and spend some time with fans when, you know, some people might not let them do that. And it's just gracious, the family, gracious player. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for what you've given to the game here in the States. And hopefully we'll see it back, maybe in a coaching role, we'll see.
2: Ooh.
1: Preston, what do you got?
2: Oh, uh, I got NFTs. So um, there's been some discussion in the fan zone about what's going on, what is an NFT, all that fun stuff. Um, personally, I think they're like, I think they're super funny and kind of just like this cool thing and a good way for the MR to branch out. Those guys that have been wondering when the hell is it coming out? Finally did. If you were watching the, watching the game, it popped up right before scan this QR code to go to this link um, to go collect your NFT. You go on and I went on and I'm, I sign up. I'm excited because I've been waiting for this to see what's going on with it. And it says in the my my cards area, nothing. It says in the my packs area, nothing it says click here to go to the shop to buy it. I click it, it, says coming soon. So, my question was, is this a big tease or is the MLR screwed up? <laughs> I got an email today, and ladies and gentlemen, I have my championship NFT. And if you can see, oh, come on! Oh no, this is really frustrating. Ah, you see that, Scott. Nate Brinkley, baby. Rudy. Captain, that's a good
1: NFT. That's a good. How NFT good is that.
2: that? So if you guys can't see, it's got him just sitting here, him screaming, and it's got the ticket at the bottom. Um, my serial number is number 26 to 30. It's a legendary. Um, I mean, I just think it's like a super funny, like, cool way, like like we were talking about the three of us. You're not going to go find trading cards out there in a Walmart Target like you would football cards. So you got to buy. If they were to do it, you have to buy in the shop. Um I think this is just a cool way to go. Hey, just go buy it. You'll get it right away. We don't have to send you anything. Um, I I love it. I think it's awesome. I think it's really cool and you could buy, sell uh, with other people. So uh, yeah, I mean, go get on there. Um, I think if you did go on the QR code, it said that people who did it like myself and uh, the hammer you'll get early notice on when the packs come out and you can buy them earlier than other people. So if you did your QR code and your little bit of work, you'll get a uh, early access. So that's, that's all I got. Um, yeah. I, I got to take a look. Cause before we
1: started recording, Preston said I was supposed to get something airdropped to my phone. Yeah, I did it. I'm reaching out to Newark to see what's going on and maybe we'll have an update later. So Rob, what's your first topic for around the pitch?
0: Uh, yeah, I want to bring light on the women's game in uh, my Around the Pitch. And so the first one I'm going to hit, the WPL championship, was this weekend. Uh, I've never really, you know, it, it spent a lot of time investing in the, the WPL, uh, to be honest. Uh, but I went down to Lamont, Illinois, home of the Chicago Blaze, my home team. It was uh, the conclusion of a 10-week competition. Uh, 10 teams, including several U23 development teams competed. Uh, the finals involved the uh, Berkeley All Blues who won 29 to 7 and they beat Beantown. Um, I loved it. I met a lot of great players. I met a lot of great fans. I met a lot of great ladies who are well invested in the game. Um, I'm excited for this league and um, I'm excited for what's to come. Got a chance to interview a couple ladies including the commissioner. Um, uh, Kit Ruiz uh, hopefully we will have some news coming out uh, in the near future um, but it, it's great news for the American women who play our game um, I want to also throw a shout out to um, Lisa Jackson she won the eight, she's from the uh, Atlanta Harlequin she was awarded with the mm-hmm. inaugural Kathy Flores Heart of the WPL award um, for all her work that she does for the women's game and the WPL. Um, it's the first year it was given. Of course, uh, you know, Kathy was lost um, recently within the last, I think, year. And so what a great honor. Um, I had a chance to interview her. Um, show a little bit Winner. here. Um, um, Kath, and, and how much does this award mean to you, Lisa, in the context of uh, Kathy's passing recently? So I was
2: only blessed to meet Kathy once or twice. And just this whole league embodies everything I've ever heard about her. Everyone behind the scenes is working so hard to make us the premier league in this country. We know what women's rugby can be here. And everyone, this isn't for me, this is for everyone. And this is Kathy. What I do, what everyone else out here, all the other candidates do, it's all because of someone that pays the way. And that was Cassian.
0: Um, She was, it, it was touching um, to, to just uh, be with her when she was given that award. Cause she certainly was emotional about that experience and it was fun to see. It was fun to be a part of it and thoroughly enjoyed the weekend. So thank you to Kit and everybody that works tirelessly for women's rugby in the United States.
1: Listen, I was following it. Uh, my New York rugby club women were uh unfortunately, Destined for fourth place uh, this year, after kicking butt all season, but you know, them's the breaks. But love to see it. It was a, it was a great,
0: great, great friggin', uh, you know. Can, can I want to sh- throw a shout out to to TJ Olson? Brought a team here, got a chance to catch up with him, but also the U twenty three Harlequins. Um, wow, <laughs> were there some tremendous rugby players in that yeah. pitch? Uh, it was incredible. Um, And their coach, um, whose name, I I apologize, I forgot. She's going to be coaching at uh, Dartmouth next year. Wow, what a great group of ladies, tremendous players. So uh, it was exciting. Love to see it. Um,
1: So my next topic, uh, we're going across uh, the pond to Europe there. Uh, Our boy, USA Eagle, T.T. Lamasitelli, is a French top 14 championship. uh, Montpelier winning 29 to 10 uh, this past weekend uh, to win. Top 14. Um, he's been playing great all season. Obviously, he's been selected to the Eagles. Um, you know, most likely our starter at Loose head Prop. Um, and his title, you know, last year we had uh, David Ainu um, uh, on Toulouse uh, winning a Champions Cup title last year. So we had, uh, you know, two big Americans, uh, Eagles uh, that were involved in these French champions. And we, we talk about where we want to be in the MLR as we go on. And I think the top 14. Uh, is a good barometer to set to say, you know, as we make jumps, we want to hit that top 14 pace and maybe bring guys like TT and David back so that they're playing in the MLR. Listen, they got to get better, you have to play uh better competition. Iron sharpens iron. So love to see them playing in those top leagues, but I want the MLR to come back and, and get to get to that same spot. Preston, what's your second topic?
2: I got the collision rugby shield coming up and uh the rosters were The rosters of two teams are finally finalized. And I got to read through all the Lindenwood names because there's too many to just name off off the top of my head. Um, The Canyons, we first off got Evan Conlon. Then we got John Flex Stewart, Liam Smith, Sam Buckley. And I believe that's it on that team, on the Peaks. We got Gabe Kettering, Blake Knight, William Whiteside, uh, Clem, Lucas Black, I'm going through. I believe that's it. Those are the big names. I think there's about eight of them. Uh yeah, a lot of a lot of LU boys representing. So I'm really excited to see how they do out there, and uh, hopefully kick some ass and get drafted and go play some MLR.
0: Yeah, the shirts that they are putting out are really really cool. Yeah, their uh, shirts. Cool. I I I threw a shout out to Sparks and said, boy, I, <laughs> I would wear one of those on the show if given an opportunity.
1: Because you're not a clothes horse or anything.
0: Never. So, um, I'm going to go right into my, uh, my second one here, um, and I'm going to stick with the theme of, of women's rugby here in the United States. I, I, it's important to know that um, along with Title IX here in the United States, rugby, women's rugby is experiencing a similar celebration 50 years, and, and it, obviously the two events – are synonymous with one another for a reason because they're uh, you know deeply connected. But uh, to celebrate this, um, the U.S. Women's Rugby Museum is traveling. It's, it's going to be at five total sites, five total locations. Uh, it was Atlanta, Georgia for the AG7s. It was in NOLA for the NCR7s. It was in Clinton, New Jersey for the Mid-Atlantic Women's Rugby Showcase, Collision Showcase. It was here in Chicago for the WPL Championship. And for those that haven't seen it, but are going to be in D.C. on July 16th, I believe it is for the PR7s. It will be there as well, obviously with the equality and pay in the PR7s. There's a reason it's going to be at that event, and then it's going to find a, a, a final resting place um, this uh, shortly after. But I got a chance to catch up with um, the president, uh, Danita, and with VP Kerry Heffernan, and had great conversations with them both. Um, saw some of the artifacts and things like that, uh, that they had represented there. I mean, you're talking about the first World Cup jersey. You're talking about the first ever USA team jersey. Um, some really cool pieces of, of um, history uh, there. Probably one of my favorite, though, was a T-shirt that was made by the Iron Uterus team. Uh, and it was, they named themselves that because, you know, Obviously, a lot of men at the time playing rugby said, Oh, women's, you know, units will fall out if they, you know, do too much activity. <laughs> and so it was kind of a mocking, say, Yeah, yeah, well, we got iron ones, so that's not happening. Pretty cool stuff. But I want folks to know, and we're gonna post the link, by the way. Um, the best thing about this is it's an online exhibit. So you can go see all these pieces of of history in the women's rugby game at USW rf.org. Check it out. You can donate. Again, the landscape of women's rugby, we are working towards professionalism here in the United States. So, you know, Kate Zachary can play in the United States instead of having to go to England and have a great level of play uh, to compete at. But it's wonderful stuff happening um, with the museum to document that.
1: That's awesome. And I'm going to be at the uh, PR7's leg in D.C. So if you see me, please stop talk to me a little bit, take a picture, tell me where you're from, tell me how you listen, tell me how you watch, and enjoy Enjoy this this uh, museum piece. Uh, Rob's already, kind of, you know, talk, I, Not had I heard about it before Rob told me about it, I would be going to it, but Rob really, you know, sold it for what it is, and I'm very excited to be able to go see it in D.C. And uh, those are some great topics, uh, you know, a lot going on in North American rugby. And uh, before we get to our rant, portion of the show where we're going to pit Rob and Preston against their buddy Joey. We're going to get a word from our sponsors.
2: The Spool represents the game we love. A game fueled by passion. But there are those who wear no number, nor are they in the locker room or The field of play, but they are there for every high and every low. Yes, they are watching every kick, tackle, and try score. Yes, they are there for when you need them most because they are the Major League Rugby fans. And the time has come for you to stand with your team. Join us. ShopMLR.com today.
1: And welcome back, Rugby Rant fans. We're at one of my favorite parts of the show. It's the rant segment. I'm Scott, the big guy, Ferrara. With me, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, as always. We got Preston, the little hammer Hammerschmidt, and introducing Joey Rasmus. Now, Joey, uh, head coach of University of Illinois rugby team, head coach of the WPL's uh, North Shore Women and director of rugby for the Silverbacks Joey welcome to the show brother
3: yeah thanks for having me guys
1: appreciate it uh we we're, we're going to put you to the test here on this rant. um as you guys can tell I'm still a little a little banged up uh from celebrating that Rudy win and that's what we're going to talk about what uh we're we're going to have a little bit yeah i know boo hoo right um <laughs>
0: feel bad for you
1: yeah um we're gonna talk about what what we're gonna actually do is we're gonna do a little recap of what we thought of the the final and then we're gonna um, we're gonna talk about the good and the bad the ugly for the entire mlR 2022 season um it's been ups it's been downs it's been litigation it's been venue issues it's been you know players coming and going I mean I think this is what's what happens with the regular you know rugby uh, with, a, with a, a smaller rugby league that we have here um, but it's it's very interesting and I mean,
3: Obviously, Obviously, I, I can't, can't say, say
1: enough about the match. So I'll I'll, st- I'll start off just a little bit. You know, I was very excited to be there. Uh, lucky enough to to be front row and center uh, for the entire match. Uh, I believe ticket sales were over twenty five hundred, which is pretty good considering you had four days. Flights right now going cross country from Seattle to New York are expensive. I think Tony Ridnell paid something ridiculous, like two thousand dollars, to fly in on Saturday. Shut up! Yeah, he like he flew. I swear to God, he flew in like Friday night and flew out on Saturday he had something check out his facebook you know he did like you know tickets you know uh, yeah. plane tickets two thousand dollars you know whatever the rugby tickets fifty dollars winning a championship priceless type deals but yeah i mean yeah. it's expensive we had a lot of seattle fans uh you know who did take the flights and and you know put their money where their mouth is and i got to hang out with a bunch of a bunch of yeah. them uh marty jacobson unfortunately christian wasn't yeah. there uh, matt caught right we did another uh Ball exchange, exchange, which was awesome. Was pretty solid. Yeah, we, we tailgated with them beforehand. We hung out with them in the stands. There. Everybody was in the kind of the same section, all the big fans. Um and then we tailgated afterwards. Broccoli Kid, Broccoli man made an appearance there. And ah then, um, he... Yeah, I, 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 oh. I the, 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 <laughs> but the Toronto Arrows guy was there too. Uh the Lucha Libre mask guy. Oh, the yeah. was there. Um hey, so we had some yeah, we we had some big name uh fans there. Uh it wasn't just the big guy, we had a bunch of bunch of people but it was fun atmosphere. It was a great time. But I'm gonna throw it over to, to Preston. Tell us your impressions of what you felt about yeah, of, of how the championship
2: went. Um well I'll start off lindenwood alumni uh Chance Mangaluski won it, so that's freaking awesome. Love to see it. Um I love that it was at it was at another big venue um which is really good to see like again another uptake um better than high school stadium. Uh but I, I was just like super pleased to see a team that wasn't LA win it, wasn't Seattle win it, even though Seattle was in it. Like I just love to see like another team winning it. Um yeah, I mean I was just pleased with the overall experience.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it was fun to be in the big venue and and I think we're gonna talk about that in our next in our next topic. But you know, it was it's one of those venues It's, it's nice to play in, it's nice to be there, but it is a New York venue. It has New York pricing. Um for a water, $15 for a beer. You know, I had my wife and my three kids there, and I'm talking to feed them, you know, continuously get them water because it was a really hot day. As a matter of fact, I had to tap out around the 50th minute uh, because one of my sons was really just not having it. I mean, it was like a $250 day plus $200 for tickets. So I'm talking, me and my family spent almost $500. That doesn't include gas tolls, parking, things like that to go to this championship game. So, you know, it, it it's it's it was tough on the pocket, but again, it's a once in a lifetime chance to be there. So, you know, I'm gonna do it. But if you're speaking of chance, chance actually had two different t-shirts that he created specifically. I saw that at the merch tent. Yeah, so I, I picked one up. Um I also picked up uh, uh uh something for the little hammer, a little present. I got him the MLR Rudy finalist shirt that was being sold. Uh, much appreciated. Yeah, exclusively at the championship uh just for him. But yeah, and I mean it was nice to be there. It was nice to be There's no bad point to look at the stadium. You had fans branching out all over the place. You had them branching out into the the end zones and, you know, kind of spreading out a little bit as the game went on because it got so hot and nobody complained about the view. I'll put it that way. So it was, it was great to have, it was really great to have, but Joey, what are your thoughts about the final?
3: Yeah, well, I, I can't talk about the final without talking about Andy Ellis and his boot Uh, and what a special way for that guy to end uh, his career. Um, and like, you know, obviously there's the try, uh, that makes a big impact, but he just completely dictated that game, uh, and, and forced, uh, Seattle on the back foot over and over and over again. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited as a coach to see that great tactical kicking game, but what a special way for him to control the game, contribute to his team, um, That was really, really special for me. I also thought that Fox Sports did a fantastic job uh, with the production, really creating the atmosphere. Uh, You know, I get obsessed with uh, watching the Rugby League produced by Nine in Australia and I felt the similar experience to the audio design and it's little things like that, that really make the experience for you as a fan. So those were, were my real positives coming out of the weekend. I can't imagine uh, spending two grand on flights and then having to pay $17 for a beer right after that. Uh, That's got to be harsh. And especially if you flew in and you have to take the path train out to, uh, uh, to, is it Hoboken, New Jersey? I remember going there for a London Irish uh, series match a few years back Uh, and that's a brutal trek. So, um, you know, I, I hope people enjoyed the atmosphere in the venue enough to uh forget the path train experience.
1: Yeah, no, I mean for me it was driving, but yeah, the path, believe it or not, the path for this one uh a little bit easier because you didn't have the crunch people. And I was actually at that uh saris London Irish match. Uh it was right the I think the day before St. Paddy's. I think St. Paddy's was on a Sunday that year. And they played on a Saturday and I th- it wasn't a sellout, but I think they th- said they had something like 18 or 19,000 and 25,000 capacity. Um, and I think that started to prove that you can have these matches there. The next uh, uh, rugby match that was there was uh, Eagles uh, Ireland, which I think, I think it was Saturdays was 2015 Eagles Ireland was 2017. Um, so yeah, you know, we've consistently shown that we can actually host these matches here. People are going to come to these matches. Um it's funny you talked about Andy Ellis and yeah, it was, it, it kind of was a little bit off on what Rooney usually does as far as uh box kicking, you know, Andy can box kick, um, you know, but it wasn't necessarily part of the game plan uh, during the regular season. Uh, and we saw it utilized uh, beautifully with Waisaki Naholo and Andrew Cole really giving good run-ups on those chases. Um, when you have guys like that out on the wing, unfortunately, Ed Fidel was injured uh, in uh, the, um, excuse me, in the quarterfinal. Um, when you have guys like Andrew Coe and Waisaki Niholo who can chase it, why not kick it up? And, you know, we saw some, some. I think Waisaki, you know, stole one. Andrew Coe had made some guys, you know, get nervous. Um, Nihi Mil- Milner-Scudder was doing some booming kicks and then chasing, you know, chasing them and getting in guys' faces. I think he just disrupted their flow. Um, honestly, for me, try the season – uh, Nicky Mayhew. I got to be honest that forward to forward to forward to forward to forward behind the back through the legs. Nicky's on the ground. He's off the ground. He gets the ball back. He scores a try. Honestly, for me, try of the season uh, for the entire MLR. But well, let's hear what uh, the hammer has to say.
0: So as far as gameplay goes, I, I thought that um, Seattle, they came out really strong in the first 10. And whereas in the previous week, in the Western Conference match, they didn't let off the gas. Uh, they kept up the intensity and the pace of play, whether it was the fact that um, Rooney really put a lot of defensive pressure on the back line of Seattle and really made them play on the back foot, um, or whether they just were having trouble adjusting to the time change or whatever have you. It just seemed they ran out of steam, steam that they had in the previous week. Um, and I thought that, you know, obviously – uh Rooney really played that effectively and played pretty well. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a little tighter scoreline at the end just to make it a more exciting final. Uh But that's from a neutral observer, uh somebody who didn't have a, a, a skin in the game, so to speak, as, as the big guy did. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that I did like an Eastern conference, uh, you know, winner finally. Right. I mean, of course, it's the first time we've had uh an East, you know, an East and a West, um, but it was, or, I guess the second year that we've had in East and West, but it was good to see, um, you know, it it being shuttled around the East coast instead of being on the West coast again. Um, I, I got to tell you, the field conditions were phenomenal. I love the change of venue in spite of the fact it's 25,000, you're still getting a a phenomenal facility, a first rate facility. Um, It's going to be tough to compete with the Coliseum, but I thought Red Bull did a great job. You, of course, everybody complains about, you know, having, you know, or you know, at, at, at John Quincy having, you know, soccer lines and lacrosse lines and all this, that, and the other. And you actually just had rugby lines, right? I mean, what's not to like when you have a venue and a final that just has rugby lines. It's more than other facilities in the MLR can say and speak to Um great sight lines, I'm sure for the fans, but good sight lines. uh As somebody watching at home, I didn't really, Look at the fans and go, oh, boy, they're really lost in the sea of 25,000 seats. I didn't see that at all. I mean, they were a little spaced out, as Scott said. But I, I thought that, you know, the, the fans uh, really showed it. And you could hear them um, quite a bit. So I thought that was good. And finally, uh, to speak to what Joey said, the production. I mean, at the end, the post-game interviews, the the post-interview uh, with Andy Ellis was phenomenal. The post-match interview, the presentation, the celebration, everything that comes after, I thought was, was was awesome. It was good to see. So overall, I liked what I saw as a product when I watched from home.
1: And you were talking about the, the Seawolves and how well they were playing, especially at the beginning of that match. And if you go to uh, at MLR stats, and you look at the top 10 tacklers of the 2022 playoffs, seven out of 10 are Rooney players. Uh, Brandon O'Connor, number one. Antonio Kitty Kitty, number two. Chance Wigalewski, number three. Uh, Travis Larson of the Seawolves, number four. Ben Benasso of Rooney, number five. Um, we and Camerati of the Free Jacks, number six. James Malcolm of the Seawolves, number seven. Fossey Fuatai, Dylan Fawcett, and Jason Emery round out the bottom three with uh, tackles in the postseason. I mean, I think that just goes to show, you know, defense was on display for Rooney against Seattle. And a tough Seattle side who came back um, scored a try to really bring him back in it around the 74th minute that got called back from the phase before. Um, and then Rudy kind of took it away from there. Um, you know, uh, we, we mentioned it, uh, or I mentioned it in our uh, round the pitch, you know, Andy Ellis's retirement. Um, and it was just great to see him get his last try, get a championship in the last match before he's hanging him up. And if you guys didn't get to see it, go check out the, uh, uh, at Rugby United, uh, Instagram and you'll see, uh, all the New Zealand boys, uh, a haka for Andy at the end of the match. I don't know if they showed it on Fox or not, but it was really nice to see a nice send off. And I got to hang with Andy, you know, for about 30 or 40 minutes after the match, just kind of, you know, ask him some questions about, you know, his, his life in rugby and, you know, what he enjoyed. And, you know, he said the last two seasons with Rudy, he just really enjoyed after a match, having his kids on the field and having a runabout and, you know, win or lose his family was always there with him to, to have this runabout. And, I mean, honestly, his family traveled to you know the away matches they could, um, so he was he was having his sons and his his kids on the field all the time to to do this, and he said that's kind of what motivated him to stay with Rooney again a, a second year and really just have fun with it and try not to be as serious on the pitch, uh, you know, as, as he has been in the past, and he had fun with it, you know. So I think that's he can't pay attention.
0: Yeah, sorry, I, I was going to say a lot, a lot less pressure for him. Mm-hmm. Then perhaps you know it, it would have been had he stayed in New Zealand and played, you know, in Miter Ten or played, you know, at, at any type of other level. So it it you know I'm sure that was enjoyable for him. Yeah, I got to
1: I got to hang with him and and you know thank him a lot for for what he's done you know for the league for the team just being a nice guy overall. And you know it's funny because uh, a lot of people were talking about what they call the old blacks you know, Waisaki Naholo, uh, Nihi Milliner, Scudder, and Andy. Ellis, and to be honest, when you looked at who balled out uh in this postseason, you're talking about Will Tucker scoring a try. You're talking about Nick Mayhew scoring a try. You're talking about Antonio Antonio Kirikiri coming in in the last third of the season and being a top two tackler uh, with Brendan O'Connor. Those are four Kiwis guys who aren't All Blacks, you know, who have balled out. uh Jason Emery, a Maori All Black, you know, who balled out all season, and those are the guys that really got us wins. Those are the guys that. Push themselves uh, to to get a product on the field that they were proud of and come in and and do the dirty work. Um, so I think you know everybody wants to joke about the old blacks. I think these guys coming in and this, you see it now and you see what they put out on the field. Um, and you know they were champions for it, so it's nice to see. So you know that was really our recap of the, of the championship. I mean, everybody watched it. It was uh, you know all I heard was was very complimentary things about the Fox broadcast you know, obviously down Stanford and Mike Petrie in the booth uh, is a dream team. Um, uh, I th- what did, I forgot. Oh, down had one of his friggin' lines about Andy, something about cracking nuts or something like that, but it was, you know, classic Dallin, uh doing his thing um, from the field level, you know, um, didn't really notice the production team. It's funny. Uh, I noticed uh, during the season, you know, at, at, in Hoboken at JFK, you notice the production team, you noticed them last year, I guess because they're professional setups for product TV production. You don't see as many people running around the field as you normally do on the sideline. So it was interesting to almost have a quiet, less busy sideline where it's just official um, one camera and a ball boy. So it was interesting, believe it or not, it's something you actually, I actually noticed throughout the match, Um, but we're going to go, around the other way we're gonna start with rob and i want to hear your good your bad and your ugly for the 2022
0: season take it away all right well i'm gonna touch upon something i uh, spoke about in the first part of the rant uh the good red bull arena i mean uh got to give a a great shout out to rooney who organized in short order you know um that move to a, a a better uh venue for the final Right. Um, Nothing wrong with Hoboken, not bitching about it, not complaining. But it is Red Bulls, obviously a better venue. And the fact that they got that done for the final, um, you got to say hats off to them for making that happen, whether that was Stephen Lewis or 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 whomever uh, got it done. Good. Good on you. Okay. so that's my good, my bad. um, And I'm going to I'm going to draw some fire here. And quite frankly, I don't care. Um, And at the risk of that, let me put it in context. I get the fact that in the MLR we need foreign players to come in that have experienced professionalism and can show American players how to be pros. But I'll just speak of the final. There were um, each team had four Americans in their starting fifteen, um, only and then one Canadian each. Um, boy, for America to grow as we build towards twenty thirty one. Um, that number's got to be improved upon. And 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 again, I know it's going to take a little time, but somewhere, somehow, um, guys like Connor Buckley um, have to be able to give an opportunity to get more minutes in order to step up to that stage. So that that's my bad. I think, you know, as we look forward, that's something that's got to be improved. And of course, I, I think uh, it might be unanimous, uh, but the ugly, the uncertainty in LA. I've talked to a lot of people from different, um, different, Sources that are unrelated. Um, a lot of the uh, Aussie boys head back overseas. Um, no contracts are being signed. Um, basically, there's lots of people. Uh, a lot of people were, were were fired in LA and let go. And there's lots of people who don't know what their position is. They have no idea what the next step for is for LA. They're basically in the dark. And um, you know, i, I look, uh, based upon what I've seen, will I be surprised if LA? is not in the league next year no am i predicting it i have no idea the next coming weeks i think we'll get a better better shape on that but quite frankly um things are not good there and it's ugly to, to to lose a team that won the championship last year in short order
1: Yeah. Let me touch upon a few points. Yeah. So, you know, I think this is the first time that we've had a stadium for the championship that wasn't a home ground officially for a team. So, you know, you're talking about you finish uh, the the Eastern conference finals at six or seven at night, you come back home the next day and you have to sign contracts in short order to try and get this stadium on the hook for the next Saturday. Um, You know, it's, 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 it was, it was good. You know, that Rick Salizzo and the team really, you know, pushed to get, it's done, and, and they did, and it was successful. As far as the, the foreign players, you know what? It, it depends on, on what you're calling a foreign player because, like, let's take like Dylan Fawcett, for example, is one of those guys you spoke about, right? Well, Connor McManus, technically, he's American by via passport, even though he lived in uh, New Zealand. Joe Basser, right. no, and I'm saying Joe Basser, Australian, born in Manhattan.
0: Uh, so I think we have to
1: – no, no, I'm just – Ben, ben expanding Benazzo is an, yeah.
0: an American player, but, but – I'm, I'm expanding face, on de- de- Yeah, he wasn't yeah. developed in America. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy like Chance Waglewski, who came out of Union High School in Oklahoma, that's an American. Until, but until
1: we about. until we get that grassroots level, I don't know how consistent we're going to be to get a player like Chance up to that level. So we might have to start with guys like Connor McManus and Joe Basser, who did their their you know schoolboy rugby, uni, uni rugby outside the country, and then are coming here and playing in the M.L.R. to you know ultimately maybe make it to an Eagles team. You know, I think I think that's the next thing. You know, it used to be. Guys coming over, you know, in their mid-20s and and early 30s and playing for the Eagles, right? And now I think we're going to get them younger and younger coming over. Eventually, that balance will tip. You know what I mean? And we'll have it where the high schools and the the colleges are getting, having more homegrown American players. But until that happens, I think we just have to kind of let it swing as slowly as it's going to swing. But, Joey, you're up. Good, bad, the ugly for the 2022 season.
3: Yeah, well I guess uh, good. I've got to start with the the TV product. Uh not just here at the end of the year, but uh, it's been so much easier to engage uh with the MLR versus seasons past for me. And uh this year I've been in the middle of a season coaching uh while while uh while the MLR has been going on. Um and and I think that's really, really important uh for for the growth of the game, for the growth of the league. Um so I really appreciated that and and how it culminated in the final. Um, you know, bad, uh I'm such a competitor that I hate uh i'm also a new york fan i i hate when someone has like any little bit of an asterisk that they put on something (laughs) uh like i am the kind of person that i want you to have the wind at your back both halves feel like the ref is on your side and still beat you by 60 points uh so it it just bugs me that somewhere out there someone like in la or in the west coast might be but but what if on this this year and that's that's the bad for me and i it just bugs me so deep and down I I want to compete Uh, and uh, that's just the way I'm wired. But, uh, and and I guess on the, uh, the ugly one is, uh, not only am I worried about what's going to happen in LA Austin in the future, but how is this going to impact expansion? Uh, you know, I'm, uh, near, near Rob, uh, out here in, in Chicago. I think we're, we're very hopeful for a team. Does this show that there's more risk in the league and does this scare potential investors away from it? Um, you know, I think that, for the growth of the game, uh, in a really altruistic sense, we need some people on top that can help create, uh, alignment and vision and direction. Um, and so I, I really believed in, in what the MLR is building and I'm, I'm really scared that the people who can implement that and, and create that, that, uh, that alignment might be scared away. Um, so quickly breeze through. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, as, as far as, as far as, you know, you're, you're right. Um, I think TRN subscribers, they just hit a hundred thousand full-time subscribers yeah, 100K. It's doubled. And according to uh, Alex Magelby had some s- statistics, it doubled uh, year to year from last year to this year. Um, and I would say, you know, there was more TRN matches on TRN this year. I believe there's less local contracts, but I wasn't, I, I like that. I like being able to watch everybody. I like being able to even watch Rooney. Really wasn't on local television as much this year, but I like the TRN feed. they the the broadcasting, produ- the production teams in the individual cities are now two years in on it. I know last year the guys that were doing the New York one didn't have rugby experience. They had baseball experience. They had football experience. They had hockey experience. They had basketball experience. knew nothing about rugby, and it has progressed so much better in the production style that uh, my father, who, even though I played rugby and I have a friggin' show about rugby, you know, my father still doesn't understand rugby. Right. So he understands it better now that the production is better. And he said, you know, from the beginning of last year to the end of this year, it's just been a step above uh, for your bad. You're right. You know what? How about this? You know, if, if the AGs just paid their players like they were supposed to and LA did whatever they were supposed to do, maybe they would have won and maybe they would have been in the playoffs, but you know what? They weren't. So I don't know what to tell you about an asterisk. Listen, we beat the New York beat the number two team in the Eastern Conference, the number one team. Yeah, they the earned Easter it. Conference. You know, let's be honest. They they played they played, they had their best three weeks of the season, yep. the last three weeks of the season, to quote yep. Marty Veal uh in his victory uh, uh speech. So that's what it is. And as far as the ugly, I you know what? I'm not sh- so sure. I understand what you're going for, but I wonder what well, we know now that there was a vote to have these actions taken by the other owners does, would that show an investor well you have other owners who would say we're not going to let this this bullshit slide you know we're not going to let this be detrimental to the league and regardless of what the timing of it and you know it's unfortunate for the players we all know that it's unfortunate for the coaches and the staff who worked hard to get where they needed to be but the owners came in and said we're not going to let it slide so i think i don't know if that's necessarily an ugly portion for an investor or maybe there's an investor out there that'll go hmm you know, we have some guys that are really trying to grow this league the right way, and they will take action if they see shenanigans. So I I see your side, but I'm thinking maybe there's a second side to that. That so maybe you know, if uh, if you got ten million dollars, come see me in the hammer, and uh, we'll <laughs> get a team in like Saskatchewan or something. Let's get a second Canadian team. Uh, Preston, you're good, bad, the ugly, brother.
2: Yeah, um, I'm gonna go the other way around. I'm gonna start with the ugly, and I on a good note. Um, Uglies, LA, and AGs, obviously. Um, I'm going to go from the other side that the big hammer said (sighs) LA and AGs. I think the whole situation was handled really poorly. Um, I get that the owners voted and that's how things work. They voted on this situation that happened where both teams were pulled out of the playoffs. But I think you're, yes, you are penalizing the owners and GMs who are handling all the money and, whatever other issues were penalized, but you're also smacking the players in the face and saying, hey, you played rugby. You did what you were supposed to do, what you're being paid to do, but you can't play anymore because it's your owner's and GM's fault. And I think it's it's just, it's penalizing people that didn't have, not everybody maybe had a role to play with it, but it's really penalizing people that didn't have any role in it. And I think a fine, in my opinion, would have been, a lot better off um, just because like, for example, Christian Rodriguez worked his butt off has, has for multiple years now and he could have had a shot at another title. And all of a sudden he's getting, getting told, no, you can't play. Like it's not his fault. Like he did his job. He played rugby. He got them to the point where they need to get. And he's just being, the, the carpet's being pulled out from under him. So I think that's my issue. That's the ugly is the, the situation was handled really poorly in my opinion. Um, The bad is, in my opinion, the MLR really should promote rugby in America. But on top of that, it should go to help the international rugby team, USA Eagles. And the fact that they have had one week after the finals to turn around and then go play the French Barbarians is piss poor, in my opinion. Like, I get there's got to be a little leeway for both, but one week to have a camp and get your players that are mostly from the MLR ready – is really like not a good situation at all. The All Blacks have had, I think, two to three, but they're the All Blacks, so that's okay, but your USA Eagles have to have more time than that to get ready, especially when a Rugby World Cup qualifying matches around the corner, and if you don't come away with points, the right amount of points, you're out of the World Cup. The one before a home World Cup is even worse because this next World Cup, you not only have, in my opinion, have to prove that you deserve to be in the Rugby World Cup, but you also should have to win at least one game. To prove that we deserve to have it and we deserve to play in it, um, and and on the good, American rugby World Cup, good news. Um, NFTs, whether you like them or not, I think it's just like good to have the fun around it. Um, good to get kind of branch out, and there's just more attention internationally. Um, I'm seeing on my feed. Not only am I seeing, you know, rugby, uh, super rugby. AU, South Africa, all the different countries pop up on rugby pass, but you're seeing also American rugby pop up almost as much. Um, You're seeing, I've seen an Instagram, the rugby center where they rank um, all the club teams and they have two sections. Now they have, they used to just have premiership and all the top ones, New Zealand, South Africa, all those. But now you have the bottom kind of ones, which are American, which they have the MLR teams and the Japanese teams in, and they have, the slar teams. And so I think just the amount of tension that's getting, getting pulled into the league is phenomenal. So my good thing is that American rugby is being seen as, as a threat and a big contender coming out.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're, you're good. You're, I love that. Good baby. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bad, I don't know how we're going to change the season. Unfortunately, I don't know what we could do about that, but you know, you want your Eagles to play home, right? You want your Eagles to play in the United States. So it's a tough one for the Eagles, but that's why the Barbarians match is a tune-up match. You know, so maybe you play some of the guys who don't have as much time. You know, Nick Sivetta and Nate Brakely, give him a break. Um, you know, play, you know, Ben Bonasso, you know, start him. You know, you have um, you know, Cam Dolan, you know, he's been golfing for a little while, right, Robbie? You know, so he's, he's, <laughs> oh, you he bet. should be ready to go. He should yeah. be ready to go. I got to get my little Nocturnilla, but no, I'm, my point is, you know, you can – you can get guys together for one week for a tune-up match, and it's not necessarily the end of the world. It's going into everything else that, that we get a little crazy for, like you said, the, the next couple of matches against Chile. Um as far as the, the handling, yeah, it's rough. Um, you know, but that that's that's the rules, man. I don't know. Like it's tough. So my good Ben, the ugly. So I'd say the good, um is seeing the statistics on viewership uh by Alex Magleby, I really love those to see those statistics it is growing in viewership even if ticket sales are a little stagnant uh the bad i would say uh not the officiating overall but the way that the lack of use of ars in making decisions um we've seen we've seen it less and less as the season has gone on that the head official is speaking to ars about decision and then even deciding you know know, if if it's not going to go to tmo because they're doing some type of thing where it's scoring that's fine but talk to your ARs. That's why they're there. You know? So I don't, I I think the bad is they're not up to the standard where we need them to be. Um, And then the ugly, I gotta say, I think the ugly is the way uh, the fans were really divided about how everything shook out and the, the fans are still pissed off that the league hasn't clarified their position or anything like that, which I have to say, I think you're just not understanding the fact that now that it's in litigation, you can't say anything, right. You know? Um, it's, it's literally, you know, we've seen the court documents from the AGs, which one, I think is preposterous because at the time that it's dated, it says the AGs were the number one team in the league and they weren't even the number one team in their own conference. So right there, the case should be thrown out, in my opinion, because you just lied about how good the AGs are. Uh, just give them, get them a little dig. Uh, but, you know, uh, I think it, the ugly part is everything that's being thrown around. People should have compassion for the fans of those teams because the fans aren't the ones who did this. You know, they're just a fan of the team. They're a fan of the players. They're a fan of the the coaches in the organization. <clears throat> they give their money to those teams and trust that those teams at the administration level are going to make the right decisions and to see a lot of derision and division and name calling and everything, you know, you have a lot of people that we see on social media, you know, respect the kicker and that's not rugby way. And then they want to just make fun of the teams that were out and talk shit about the fans and, as a matter of fact, we had somebody in the MLR fan zone start talking shit to a player's mother. Completely unacceptable, man. Completely fucking unacceptable. That's my ugly for the season. Uh, listen, guys, great first round here. I loved it. Uh, Joey coming in as a rookie had a lot of solid points. Um, you know, so it's it's great to see a new guy on the show to really, you know, hit his points solid. Um, but uh we're gonna we're we're almost ready to tee up a RPK interview with uh, Logan Tago, who's the MVP of last year's PR7s. Uh, you will see him in uh, San Jose, you will see him in uh, DC, and then again in Austin for the final leg of the RPK. or Excuse me, the PR7s. Um, we have his RPK coming up, but before that, let's get a word
0: from our sponsors. Tidehead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tidehead is located in Mundelein, Illinois and easily accessible for many Chicagoans as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Brewster and the Tidehead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beer's. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tight Ed is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tight Ed's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or a dark bale age brew, Tight Ed can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Hey, Rugby Rant fans, it's Rob the Hammer, Hammerschmidt, and I'm back once again. This week, I am flying solo with the run, passer, kick interview. Uh, you know what? The hell with those two guys, Scott and, uh, <laughs> and that other guy, uh, Ty. Um, I love doing this stuff by myself because I get our super guests all to myself. Last week it was Lauren Doyle. This week we got none other than Logan T- uh, Tago um, for that run pastor kick interview. And I'm excited because this guy has a really great resume um, that we'll talk a bit about, but Logan, welcome to the run pastor kick interview, my friend.
4: Thank you. Thank you, Rob, for having me, man. I'm excited to be on here. I can't wait to get to get to this, so I'm really happy to be here. All
0: right, I, I appreciate it, man. I, we had some good conversation off camera, and I can't wait for for everybody else to just to get to know you and your personality a little bit better because I think they'll like everything that they see and uh, give them a little taste of one of those personalities that will be playing in PR sevens. But I don't want to give too much of that up because that's something that we'll get into. Uh, but for those folks who have never seen the run, passer kick interview, works a little something like this. We're going to fire some questions at Logan, and uh, each question will be prompted by run, passer kick. And Logan's going to tell you, the fans, what he's going to do with that question. And, of course, as a sevens player, they do a lot of running, so I'm sure he's going to run with his fair share, right? <laughs> yeah. Which means he's going to answer it. But he also has two other options, and one of them is to pass. And we all know that Sevens players like to pass, and so we'll see how many passes we get out of Logan. Hopefully he'll run more than he passes. But a pass just, <laughs> means, yeah. no. uh, a pass just means he's going to go ahead and he doesn't want to get himself in trouble with anybody um, there at Chula Vista or at PR Sevens. Uh, or Logan can have fun with us, fun with me, put me on the back foot, put me on the defensive, make me work a little bit, uh, from inside my 22, and uh, he can kick a question to me. You know, we know sevens, guys, there's kind of a rule. You don't really kick in sevens because you're giving away possession. Uh, no. <laughs> but I have a feeling uh, Logan's going to, uh, you know, he may choose to kick a couple to me just to, you know, uh, make me work a bit and and put me, like I said, on the back foot. So, um, Logan, are you ready for the run, pass, or kick challenge?
4: Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right.
0: So the first question, Logan, I'm going to try to do my best here. So bear with me, everybody. Logan, bear with me. Uh, but your first name is Oo Malu Lau. Amanu. Manu. Manu, yep. Ma Okay. Yep. So run Pastor your kick. Is there a meaning behind your first name? Yeah, I'm gonna run this one.
4: Uh yeah. For for people that don't know, uh my my, my first name is pretty long. I think it's like twenty-four, twenty-something letters in there. Uh it's la Lao And uh it means a lot, uh what it means like to where I'm from like from Samoa, it's so wherever you go, like you got, you still got still hold, gotta hold on to your culture, hold on to like, yeah. So no matter where I, I'm at, no matter where I go, I will always be like proud of Samoan and I will, will never forget that. I'll never forget where I'm from. And then I gotta hold on to that, take pride of that. So that what I mean, yeah
0: uh well for sure, no doubt about it i think there's a, a the polynesian cultures are a a proud group of people whether it's you know mm-hmm. fiji or samoa or 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 um you know uh, uh tonga uh proud people for sure um and and out of yeah out of curiosity um you know uh how did it how did, did you just choose to go by logan uh out of your choice oh. it was just easier for people
4: uh, it was when I first got to college in Washington state and then it was, uh, all my professor every, when I wanted to, my first time going to class, they had a hard time trying to pronounce my name. So from there, we use Logan, my middle name, that's my preferred name. And even on the field, like when I play, people have a hard time. It's like, she would call you this, this and that, like, what do you guys want me? And I told everybody, even the announcer. During the game day, they I told them, just call me Logan Title. And then from, from there, from college, since freshman year, that's when Logan played a big part in my career. It's a name calling, yeah.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's funny you talk about uh, your time at Washington State, right? Yeah. you were Husky. Um, I, for those that don't know, I just want to get into that a bit. Uh, and I just want to mention your, your Vita and your background. So for those that don't know, as Logan mentioned, he's born in American Samoa, uh, played at Washington State University, uh, the gridiron football, Um, had a a tryout for the Seahawks. uh, So obviously wanted to stay in the Seattle area a little bit and took an opportunity to to do that. Played uh, up north of the border. So our Canadian fans might be familiar with Logan. Played for the Montreal Alouettes in Canadian football. Uh, and then uh, transition to rugby. It's, uh, I, I believe, with the Salt Lake City Gladiators. Yep. Um, how am I doing so far? Okay, you're doing great.
4: Oh, by the way, I play, play a game with the, the Seahawks too, so just to get that out there. Played a game with the Seahawks, no kidding. What year was
0: that out of curiosity?
4: It was, it was right right after college. I, I played the uh, the previous the pre- the game, yeah, the last one with the Raiders. Okay, 2018. It was right after college. Yeah.
0: Okay. So okay. Was, so
4: I think that I think that was the most. That was like the best part of my football career. I used to suit up and like play a game like a legit game.
0: Yeah, yeah in front of like sixty thousand people. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. That's it, it was yeah. That's pretty pretty intense. Um, actually, one of my former students. Uh, played center for the uh Posick, played center for the um Seahawks. He's still playing oh, right now, I believe. nine yeah. Ethan, Ethan Posick,
4: yeah, he's long yeah. hair, right?
0: No, I, think I don't think nice. so. No, I don't think so. Based upon his brother, he's probably got no hair. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, they're not watching. I want they're yeah. big fellas, man. I don't want to cross <laughs> them. <out. laughs> no, you're good. So so then, you know, with rugby, you, you know, you kind of made that nice, steady progression from the Gladiators to the Utah Warriors selection, of course, have been playing for the Utah Warriors. And now you're, you're in uh, Chula Vista um, training with USA 7s, um, uh, and then you're going to be playing in the PR 7s. So, I mean, man, you've you really um, got quite a yeah. uh, a round, well-rounded background, both in, in sports as a whole and rugby in general, you know that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so on that note, run past or kick, you were a standout athlete in American football high school. You played basketball, you played volleyball. So, you know, again, run past or kick, how did you end up transitioning to rugby?
4: Yeah, I'm going to run that. Uh, Cause a lot of people ask the same question. So I need to, I'm going to need to run with that. And I'm going to answer that question. <laughs> Uh yeah, uh, it was a uh, COVID, during, during COVID. I was actually, I was getting ready to go to CFL and then COVID happened. And then the whole CFL season got canceled. So I got stuck in Utah. My 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 parents moved to Utah. That's how I ended up in Utah. Yeah, I okay. went to Utah, to, I was gonna say goodbye to my parents, get ready to go to Canada. And then COVID happened, the whole season canceled and I got stuck there. And I was like, I don't know what uh, what else I'm gonna do right now. And then it happens. Uh, I didn't know one of my good friends from back home, from Samoa. He lives in Utah, and his name is Joe Mano. He played for the he yep. played for the Utah Warriors right now. Yeah, he's a uh, mm-hmm. yeah. You guys got to remember that name in the rugby. He's he's really good too. So he's the one. He had a hell he, of a yeah. season this season. Yeah, and imagine if he was playing a full season, it would be crazy. But, yeah, go back to the story. I, I got stuck in Utah, and then he hit me up. He was like, what you doing, bro? I'm in Utah. I was like, damn, I don't know. I'm just, I got stuck here. And he, he told me about the gladiator rugby. And then I was like, oh, I, I ain't got nothing else to do. So I'm going to come out and <laughs> just run with you guys, practice with you guys. And by the way, my brother, one of my brothers played with Joe, the gladiators, before I got to Utah. So my my brother was uh, familiar with the, the team and every, and everything. And then I asked my brother about the uh the gladiator. He was like, Yeah, it's a good club, just go around with the boys. And then when I got there, one of my cousins, it it was so funny. One of my cousins, my actual cousin was on the team too. His name is Fred. And yeah, I was when I first got there at the Gladiators, like I felt I felt like I'd been on a team already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like I knew these guys from back home. Like I fell in love with the game, like immediately. I'm like, damn, like these are the people I used to play with back home, like hang out with back home. And now we're just running around playing rugby here in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. Like who would ever thought about like after four or five years, six years of my life that I will I will be back with my, my cousin and then with my friends from high school. So when I first got there, they welcomed me, the Cladier rugby. They welcomed me with open arms. And then we had a scrimmage with the with another club team. That was like the first uh, the first rugby game ever since COVID. So we had a scrimmage. I did not know the Warriors uh manager and coach was watching the that scrimmage. <laughs> yes, it was funny. So me, my, um, us, the gladiator, We play the antelope, the other, the, the club RV. and then we won. It was like 80. We put up like 80 points in that scrimmage. And then the manager and the coach of the Utah Warriors they walk up to me and Joe. They recruit me and Joe on the same, the same time, the same day. So they're like, "Oh, we want you guys to call us. We want you guys to come try out for our select team and stuff like that." And then from there, me and Joe was like, damn, we got another opportunity, like a great opportunity and then to go do something else, especially for me, because I went from football to rugby. It was like my first time. But Joe, he's been playing rugby, so it was good for him too. So from there, we went, me and Joe, we went, did the select team. We did a whole, the whole season. And after the select team, we got signed. We went up and played with the big boys, the Utah Warriors, the – the actual mm-hmm. Utah Warriors team, and then I—I I think I only played three games with the Utah Warriors, and then most of the time I spent with Utah Warriors, I was just learning the game. Like I was trying to get to know the game. I was like to know how to pass the ball. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I like I'm I'm so blessed with the with the talent. Like I, passing was was really something. It was like uh, how do you say? It? Came it came natural? Like it was, yeah, it was something that came natural. Like, just passing the ball left and right. I did not have, like, I'm, I am have struggled, like, doing that. So, that was, I was blessed with, like, the talent. Like, just rugby, like, in channel, just came natural to me. The only thing I had to learn, I just had to understand the game, like, where I'm at on the field and stuff like that. And then right after the Utah season, the MLR season, and then PR7s hit me up. A shout-out to, shout to Brendan Sparks. He's the, the, the manager of the Utah Warriors. He's the one that put me on PR7s because I, I was – nobody seen me play rugby because I only played two games or three games with the Utah Warriors. I only played five minutes. So, obviously, I had no clips. So, Mike Tolkin had no idea who this guy is. So, Brendan Spark told him, it's like, he doesn't need a tryout. That's the real story. Brendan Sparks told Mike Tolkin – the PR sevens manager. He was like, no, Logan Tyler don't need a tryout. I don't just believe in me. Just put it, just put him on the roster and then that's it. And I was like, oh, that was a lot of pressure. And then I got yeah, I got the email. I signed everything last year with the PR sevens. And then when I got there, there was a uh three USA Sevens players on my team. who was Barry Baker, Naima, and Wally Roman. I was like, damn, this is legit. I yeah. never, I never, I never thought I would play with Perry Baker. Like he's, we all, everybody knows Perry Baker.
0: Yeah, sure. So
4: yeah, so I was like, oh shit! Like I gotta be, I gotta be on my, I, I gotta be on spot on my A game every time I play with him because yeah. yeah. I'm on his team and he's the captain. Yeah, and then look at where we are now. Oh, in Chula Vista? It, it's crazy. Yeah.
0: That that is an incredible story. I mean, especially considering you know a lot of a lot of fellows that come from American Samoa uh, yeah. have have had have played a bit of rugby before. Even if they go then, you know, into American gridiron because they're in the American school system here, usually they have a bit of experience playing rugby. And for you, it sounds like you didn't have you know much of a rugby background at all. That's just, you're yeah. still on a on a learning curve, yeah. and to have the trajectory that that you've had from going from you know club rugby to the selects to the warriors at PR7s now at at the Olympic training center i mean that says a lot about your athleticism and uh your growth and your potential um the ceiling uh you know or lack thereof i should say um, yeah and you then, know, moving yeah.
4: forward and that's, and that's why i'm, I'm always going to be grateful for, with the BR7s um cuz if if it wasn't for them they gave me the opportunity to show out and show and show people and show the USA what, what I can do on the field. Right. I wouldn't be right. here. Ab- right.
0: Absolutely. Hey, I want, I want to jump in. I have a a question for you. Um And it ties into something that you spoke of and you spoke to the fact that your parents are in, in Utah. You have a cousin mm-hmm. in Utah. You have a good mate from, you know, back home in Utah. Um So Many fans probably don't know it, although if people who pay really close attention to the league, I think have a pretty good inclination. But, you know, you're kind of, um, you know, fans that are, are are learning or new to the game probably don't know that Utah and Salt Lake City specifically have a really strong uh, poly culture, Polynesian culture. Yep. And there's Thank a strong you. foundation, of course, at the Warriors itself. So run, pass, or kick. Did this Culture within the Utah Warriors make it easier for you to transition from the state of Washington to Salt Lake City. You kind of talked about it with your friends and your cousin, but you know, once you got invested in the Warrior system, did that make it easy as well?
4: Yes, yes, it did. uh Because it makes it, it, it uh, when I first joined the Warriors team. When I see these guys around me, most of them like Tongan, Samoan, like 15s. Mm-hmm. it makes me comfortable. I'm like, oh this is where like i fit into this so that 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 whole pollination culture in, in utah wars it's it's working and then even the fan page too they love it yeah they love it and it and it's working and then as you see this past season they like, i think utah set a record with the fan face. the most fans they can't yeah but it's working out there what they're doing with the with the pollination culture i really i really loved it man i'm I'm happy to go back and play for the Utah Warriors. It's like the fan base and then the Polynesian culture together. It, it is pretty, it's pretty big out there. So
0: makes it a comfortable home. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to peel away from, um, from, you know, f- from your career as it sits right now, I, I'm kind of interested in another piece that's loosely connected uh, because we've you know, we've talked about football. We've talked a bit about rugby. I want to kind of bridge the gap there. Um, it's clear from your social media presence that you support and help develop youth football programs. Um yeah. I, I do a sniffing around in the in the social yeah. media world and I noticed that. Yeah. Um so run past your kick. Do you also help coach and develop youth rugby in the Salt Lake area during the offseason?
4: Uh I try uh I try it as much as I can. Cause okay. uh most yeah most of the time I'm I'm back in Utah, so late. Like, uh, it's only like a couple weeks or a month. So, but every time the Utah Warriors hit me up, it's like, do you want help? I go. But that's uh that's the biggest thing about me. I love to give back to the community, especially yeah. the youth. Cause uh, it go back it go back to my story where I'm from. Like I really grew up. I'm I was a kid that loved playing sports, and I really grew up from nothing. And it was like no resources, no equipment, nothing. So aside for me right now, I made it this far in like both sports of of football and rugby. It's like, I always go give back to the, the youth, no matter who you are. Like, yeah, but I I always go give back.
0: That's awesome. It's, it's great to hear, especially we know that in nine years time, the Rugby World Cup will be here in the United States. And we, we know that we've got to have, you know, higher, you know, higher levels of coaching in order to be prepare our young athletes to do that, and obviously, it helps to be somebody like yourself who's played at a high level and to be able to use that information, and connect it with the with the young kids that are starting to learn the game. So, we love to hear that. Um, speaking speaking of which, we're you know, like I said, we're nine years away from playing host to the Rugby World Cup. Obviously, in order to be competitive, the United States must develop a young base of rugby players. So, run, pass, or kick. Should sevens rugby be the first introduction for young kids to the sport? Or should they start right away with 15s?
4: Ooh. Uh, I, I, I would run that. I would love to answer that question, too. Because okay. I, I feel like uh, – I think sevens is it's a, it's a good – it should be the first one. Because the sevens, like, it helps the kids fast. Like is there seven mm-hmm. a if you, if you play sevens, you 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 gotta know how to pass right and left, and then the thing, I think the other thing about seven, too is like you got a lot of space to work on. So if you mm-hmm. can do that in sevens, like I think going in fifteen like you you'll be good to go. Because I'll be honest, like uh, when I when I first got here in the, in the Chula Vista, was trained with the USA sevens. And then after I think after Dubai and Spain tour, and went back to Utah and then played with some fifteen. I got I, I'm not talking shit about fifteen, but I I feel like I got more knowledge and I like from sevens going to fifteen. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it just you kind of tend to see a bit more space, and so space, yeah. when you get used to seeing that space, you begin to find it even when that space is smaller. You still. Know what to look for, and know where the gaps are at. Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
4: You know, it's then, funny. I was
0: talking. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, no. And then the other good, the good thing about seven is you always move the ball back and forth. Yeah. And then, if, but if you start at fifteen, you get used to like just passing and run, just run. You just gotta run. And then if you go from fifteen to seven, that's kind of hard because you, you don't want to hold the ball and just run by yourself all the time because you do if you do that at fifteen a lot.
0: So yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of like um, I was. uh, So I don't want to get into cross sports, but, you know, I've had conversations. My my one of my my other son plays lacrosse and there's box lacrosse, which is smaller sides. And I, I make the same kind of analogy, you know, with sevens, you get more touches right with the ball. Right. The idea is to keep possession you don't kick away possession you don't spend nearly as much time in the set piece play right so that means the balls in play a lot more when the balls in play young kids can actually learn how to use it effectively right yep. and 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 those skills can be applied as they gravitate towards 15s if they're if that's the way they want to go
4: yes you got it right
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely so um we're going to, you know, we're here at the end of our regular run, pass, or kick package uh, that goes in our TRN. Um, and so for those who want to get more uh, from this interview with Logan Tago, they, of course, can visit Patreon. Uh, it's at pod slash Patreon. And for three bucks a month, uh, you know, the cost of a half price beer here in Chicago where I took T.J., yeah. Uh, uh, for those that don't know, uh, my boy TJ out in L.A. took him out in Chicago. Beers are expensive in the city for half of that. You know, one beer, you get some great information. You get some great insights from a guy like, you know, uh, Logan Tago, who's played at so many different levels. So, uh, Logan, again, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and for, again, those people that want to continue to see the interview, you can catch us on Patreon. But for those that don't, thanks for joining And we'll see you at the next.